Hey, welcome to the Eater Upsell, part of the Vox Media Podcast Network. I am one of your two co-hosts, Helen Rosner, and my other co-host, Greg Morabito, is here, as always. The two of us, every Monday morning, show up in your podcast listening device in conversation with one of the smartest, coolest, most interesting people in the world, who is usually a food person, and we usually talk to them about food. And this week, in keeping with that expectation, Greg and I are talking with Aaron Franklin, who you may know as the name over the door of Franklin Barbecue in Austin, Texas, roundly considered to be the best barbecue restaurant in the entire world. Aaron Franklin is a prophet of meat, and he's with us to talk about the secrets of smoking cows over wood and why there will never be another Franklin barbecue. And basically what it's like to be a guy at the top of his game. It's a pretty great conversation. Stick with us. And uh, yeah, so actually before we get to Aaron Franklin, Helen, there's something I wanted to chat with you about. Oh man, I love chatting. Hit me up. Okay, so I was thinking about um, this category of restaurants. So I, I think this will be familiar to you. Uh, All right. it is, it's like a neighborhood kind of place. It's like a neighborhood pub. Uh, that has like kale salad, burgers, um, you know, something with sriracha on it. Maybe there's like some oysters and cocktails and yeah, like a, a sufficiently trend aware neighborhood dinner spot. Yes, exactly. Maybe there's a roast chicken. Maybe there's an Edison bowl, that kind of thing. I, I was ah. thinking that these restaurants are always like okay. They're not. They're, I can't think of any one that I've been to that has like a point of view. And is exciting, you know. They're just kind of whatever, and they're kind of everywhere. I've I've traveled a little bit in the last year, and I feel like there's one of these in in every city or in every kind of trendy neighborhood of every city. But uh, they're all kind of the same, and they're all kind of boring. And I was just thinking, like, w- what we need is like a term for these kind of restaurants. You know, like if, if I say like a farm to table restaurant, you know what that is. If I say a fast casual restaurant, you know what that is. But like there's but like what two- is the word for like the Edison bulb kale salad, chicken under a brick, six oysters to start semi-decent Manhattan neighborhood joint? Y- yes, exactly. Exactly. You're totally right. This is a completely real genre of restaurant that everybody knows. I'm sure every single person out there has been to one of these restaurants. The whole point is that they're unremarkable. The whole point is like it's your neighborhood dinner. But like there isn't a good genre term for them. I feel like we call them new American, but that's so meaningless. So I thought maybe we could bat around some ideas. Um, I wrote some down, but- Oh my God. Yeah. Lay them on me. I love some feedback and also maybe we can brainstorm some new ones. Okay. All right. I mean, you have the advantage in me. I didn't get to prep, but I'll, I'll- Try to do some off the cuffing. Yeah, I just kind of wanted to to tap into your brilliant mind for these kind of things, kind of off the cuff. So, okay, here here are a few of them. Um, the okay, one of them is uh, it's a restaurant. Oh wow, that seems negative to me. I I I I don't want to be too maybe, much of maybe a Pollyanna it's a little here. But a lot a lot of these are actually kind of negative. So I'm just going to read them all down in a row. Okay, okay, okay. all right. Just take so us on the list. The restaurant. We have the gastro shrug. <laughs> we have the blasery. Uh, we have a. It's a defeatery. Oh my! Uh, I'm sensing a pattern here. Yeah, we have the trat snoria, like snore, like what you do like, when you're bored, like trattoria with. But you're snoring. snoring. Yeah. Yeah, that's um, very clever, Greg. I have a, a smorgasbord, but it's b o r e d. Wow. And then uh, finally, we have the. Uh, Fine dining restaurant. 
It's not a fine dining restaurant. It's a fine, like you're giving up dining restaurant. Um, that's I mean I. Okay, first of all, I love every single one of those words and phrases oh, great. that you have just dropped. As always, you are the master of puns. They are puns, though. That is a problem. They're That's all not a puns. problem. That's oh, a feature, okay. not a well, bug. Yeah, but, I mean, sometimes puns rub people the wrong way. I'm a little touchy about them sometimes, even though I think they're kind of fun. I don't know. I mean, so I, like, I think I dispute your negativity here, which, yeah. you know, to, for longtime listeners of The Upsell, this maybe will come as a surprise to you that I actually like something. But, like, I think the point of these restaurants is they're decent neighborhood restaurants that are kind of supposed to be unremarkable. And mm-hmm. there is a little bit of a stay-in-your-lane thing. Like, the times when they become unpleasant is kind of when they try too hard. Oh, yeah. And that never works. Like, if, if you get a really talented chef in one of these places, they're going to quit or, like, the food's going to be too expensive or challenging. It's, it's never a good pattern when that happens. It's kind of like the generic... Mm. I mean, Edison yeah. Bulb is, is really – like if you say Edison Bulb, I think of a very specific kind of restaurant. You know? Yeah, so, I mean I think these are Edison Bulb restaurants. I think like if I were going right. to go with a shorthand that was not funny, that would be it. But mm-hmm. even the Edison Bulbs, like there's a little bit of a move away. It's – yeah, shit, man. I Like how to have a restaurant – how to have a name for these restaurants without it being pejorative is tricky, you know? Like um, hip, hipster neighborhood or like a – because sometimes you want one of these in your neighborhood. Sometimes it's like the, the exactly what you want. Like if you're like, you know what? I want a martini and a cheeseburger. Yeah. Know? I want – I mean I want one of these in my – I have I have one a couple blocks from me that that does exactly what I need it to do. Like it has a dollar oyster happy hour before 7 p.m. And I can go sit there and I can have I, – I, I literally order exactly the same thing every single time. I get a half dozen oysters. I get a kale salad. I get mm-hmm. a half chicken cooked under a brick. And then I get – chocolate mousse served in a mini mason jar for dessert. Well, if any of our listeners out there have any ideas for a better term, better terms, terminology for these kind of restaurants than the ones I listed or just calling them Edison Bowl restaurants. Or if you just want to like cast your vote for what if Greg's, I, I, I really like fine dining. It's just sort of hard to say out loud. Right. You need to italicize it, I think. Um, and yeah. it's hard to say it out loud. But yeah. It works well in print. In fact, we heard from a whole bunch of you um, after last week's episode where Greg and I were complaining gently about the proliferation of hands in certain types of overhead Instagram shots. Um, Personally, I felt deeply validated by all of you. Thank you for writing in and telling us that you agreed with our frustration. And I think we have gone no further in coming up with the new aesthetic will be, I think, like the common thread across the lot of emails that we got was like, we agree with you that this is getting old and we have no freaking clue what's coming next. So, But it's starting the conversation and I that makes me very excited, you know? Yeah. I mean, a revolution begins with a, a single something, gunshot, step. I don't know. The revolution is here, though. It's here on the Eater Upsell. And we have a great conversation with Aaron Franklin, which is happening as soon as AP Dan plays the transition music. Oh, man. Most reports I've read about, like, especially in the early days of Franklin, when people were describing the phenomenon of, like, oh, there's this line, but, like, here's why and here's what it is. I feel like a lot of these early reports talked about sort of camaraderie forming in the line and people discussing stuff, you know? 
It uh, it it didn't start off that way, but it certainly turned into that. That sounds very unique. Like you know, most lines. Oh, oh it's unique. <laughs> usually, are a bunch of people. Isol- being isolated or something yeah. on their iPhones. And our thing's whatever. not like that. I think of it as our little slice of old school Austin. It's still like, oh, hey, we're going to go get breakfast tacos. Anybody need anything? And going to get tacos for complete strangers. How cool is that? I mean, this, this I think, you know, I, I suspect that most of our listeners are fairly familiar with the, the mythos of Franklin Barbecue. But if you need a concrete example, people take a break from the line to get breakfast. To then get back in the line. <laughs> well, it sounds so ridiculous when you say it like that. <laughs> you brought it up. <laughs> ah. <laughs> You're like, it's so um, great. You can take a break. No, but it's 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 true. I mean, it's become such a phenomenon. The line is the line is the legend in a way. I mean, the bar, the brisket is the legend, but like the line is is. I don't, it should. Well, it, I, it, the 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 food is good, but the hospitality is also really really there. Yeah. You know, when we when we first opened up the trailer. We uh, kind of thought of, or at least I thought of it as, you know, like going to grandma's house to eat meatballs. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, going to go hang out, going to stay for a while. Like you're, you're coming into our home. So, of course, we're going to be really nice. And if you need sunscreen, we'll we'll get that for you. If you need a chair, you know, if you're hungry, if your kiddo's hungry, we'll get him a snack. You know, kind of kind of whatever it takes. And it kind of grew out of that. What's the status in the trailer these days? Is it still at... Franklin? I mean. um, the original trailer is in a garage in South Austin, and it's not really roadworthy, nor was it then. Aha. Uh-huh. So, well, you know, I've, I've got some sentimental attachment to it. I'm not getting rid of it, but hopefully I'll get to use it for something one day. Well, that's good that it's protected somewhere. It makes me think of, like, the In-N-Out burger, like the original In-N-Out. If you go to that site, I think there is there. it looks like an In-N-Out, but it's actually a replica of the old one. It's a museum because, like, they really? knocked it down. Huh. And that happens to a lot of buildings around here. I, I'm a big fan of Googie architecture. Mm-hmm. You guys are familiar yeah. with that stuff. Um, and, yeah, kind of going around the city trying to find all these really awesome old buildings. Like, there aren't many left. Yeah, yeah. Austin kind of does the same thing. We just tear tear everything down and <laughs> build new stuff. So, how many people do you have like on your team right now? Uh, we've got about twenty eight people. So, how many of those are people that are working with the smokers and the meat, and how many are doing you oh, know, boy. the other stuff? It's kind of spread out. So, there's my wife and I. My wife pretty much runs the joint. Mm-hmm. I just kind of do random little projects. I'm lead maintenance guy right now. So you're the handyman. I'm the handyman. It's falling apart. <laughs> um, I don't really cook a whole lot anymore. I mean, mostly just kind of maintenance and just getting the sausage up and going and getting the grinders fixed and building cookers and just doing whatever whatever needs to be done pretty much. Um, that dynamic has certainly changed. So anyway, it's my wife and I, Stacy. Oh, there's Braun that runs the kitchen. There's Benji that's the general manager. There's a few other managers. There's three. And then there's probably four prep guys, three dish guys, five or six cooks, and then everything else is front of house. That's cool. And then there's an office person and two welders. Two, two welders? full-time welders? We have two full-time welders. We also operate a welding shop that Wait. builds barbecue pits or is starting to build barbecue pits to sell next summer. I was reading about this. Yeah. A very exciting new venture. Should be cool. Yeah. So what's the official name of this? Um, I believe it's Franklin BBQ Pits. Excellent. So you say BBQ. Well, it was easier to type on the Google, Uh (laughs) on the old interwebs. Mm -hmm. Um, That's the website, I believe, is franklinbbqpits.com. Okay. And uh, there's there's currently a waiting list 
um, like a little email list to sign up when we do start selling them next year. But um, yeah, Franklin Barbecue Pits. Well, I feel I like there's a, there's this perpetual sort of sidebar debate in the world of barbecue about the spelling and representation of the word barbecue, like the classic. Mm, sounds like an eater long form. <laughs> Oh my god! You have no idea how many discussions we've had over the years about how to spell this word. And prominent barbecueologist Daniel Vaughn has weighed in on this on Twitter. Well, what's his take? Do you remember? I think that he said that if it's barbecue spelled with a Q, like barbecue, mm-hmm. um, that is a signifier of it coming out of a particular region or culture. And so mm-hmm, we shouldn't mm-hmm. critica- we shouldn't criticize it as incorrect. It's just representative of whatever it is. Um, which you know, I'm I'm in no position. I'm from Chicago. Well, I, I can't. I would agree with that. This. I think um, so. We when we started Franklin Barbecue, that was kind of a, a thing that we had to figure out. It's like, how are we going to spell barbecue? Is it the letters? Is it with a Q? Is it with a C? Is it B A R hyphen B E hyphen? You know, whatever. Um, but anyway, I we kind of settled on B A R B E C U E. And because um, that's kind of the central Texas way, I think that's a more proper way. Yeah, that's how we. To do that's it. how we do it at Eater. It's the yeah. dictionary yeah. spelling. You know, back when I was a kid, you you could see it spelled so many different ways. But I think now it's pretty standardized with a C. Uh, but Q Q U E makes me think it's more of like an East Texas Mississippi kind of. Hmm. It's kind of like that. So region. there is there is the the like regional indicators and, and I think so. I never thought about that before. So. You, you have, might not ever think about it again. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Knowing Greg, this is going to recur. Yeah, right. I'm going to sleep. So you, as a, as a sort of scholar of regional barbecue styles, is that something that came before or after your life as a pitmaster? Hmm. So you grew up like kind of in a barbecue family, right? Like your, your parents. Well, sort of. My, my parents had a barbecue joint in Bryan, Texas for about Probably two or three years of my childhood, um, they got smart real quick and sold it. They, I didn't, it wasn't maybe, for them? It yeah, wasn't. it definitely wasn't for them. A um, lot, a lot of hard work. I'm an only child, so I scooped potato salad and toasted Texas toast, and uh, my dad cooked and served everything, and my mom waited all the tables up front. So, Real small it was, operation. It then. was a real small huh. operation, and um, I don't even know how many briskets a day. They, they probably cook like 10, 10 or 12 on a busy day, if I remember right. Um, at Franklin Barbecue, we do 106. Wow. Were they like a really obsessive food people? Were they, no, they do not at all. Love I, of... I think they just wanted to make a living. Mm. Maybe that's what thwarted their mission. They realized it was There's a hard, hard way to make a living. Totally not a lot of money in barbecue. Uh huh. So why 106? That seems like an extraordinarily precise well, number. Well, it's the most we can fit on our, on our five barbecue pits that cook brisket. 106 is not divisible by five. Are they all different sizes? They are. Yeah. <laughs> um, each one, so they're all really about the same size. <clears throat> Pardon. They're each about the same size. One of them's a little bit shorter. His name is Shorty. Go figure. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, some cookers cook better with 27. Some work better with 18. Some work better with 24. And it's not so much the size of the cooker, it's the airflow. Interesting. Okay. Huh. Okay. Because that's what brings the heat and the smoke, right? Yep. Um, The way that that we built the cookers, they cook way more with convection than just like, you know, radiant kind of stagnant heat from fire. Um, You're like, oh, you're smoking stuff. We're not really smoking stuff. We're barbecuing stuff. So that's a massive amount of airflow, massive amount of convection, um, lots of fire, 
and that's that's how they cook right. So you make the uh, distinction between smoking something and barbecuing something. Yeah, I think of barbecue as like a higher temperature. If you're smoking something, it could be bacon, it could be, you know, you're cold smoking something, you're doing whatever. And I don't think, at least to me, if you just say, you know, you're smoking something, it doesn't really indicate whether it's a clean fire, a dirty fire, oil-soluble, water-soluble, what's the combustion temperature, what's the airflow, what's the, you know, relative humidity of the cook chamber. Like, it doesn't really, it's just like, it's just smoke. Like, smoke isn't just smoke. There are a lot of other things going on. Whew, sorry. No, that's, uh, again, something I hadn't thought about. I'm not I'm not a, a home barbecue person, although I would love to. I would love to have a, a smoker or something. I just can't in my backyard. Well, I feel like but. now is the time of year when... Speaking of, like, semantic debates where, where people start getting upset at other people referring to things as barbecuing when they are just grilling. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah, that's the thing, too. I, 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 Maybe I used to be that guy 15 years ago and be like, no, you're mm-hmm. grilling. You're not barbecuing. But whatever. If you're cooking on a live fire or charcoal or wood or whatever, eh, it's barbecuing. Who cares? So, okay, so franklinbarbecuepits.com. Um, <laughs> so are these, like, mini versions of the, the, the same rig that you used back there? Yeah, absolutely they are. They're um, about six feet long, overall length. They're really super-duper heavy, and uh, you should be able to cook three briskets pretty comfortably on one. Nice. Insulated nice. firebox, all... Uh, CNC laser cut parts on them. Some of the parts are water jet. They're uh, all handmade by uh, probably about to be three people at the shop. Oh, oh so three welders. Third, third wor- welder. Way, and we might need a fourth guy pretty soon. Oh, my and God. This is, Infinite. Wow. Well, you're just keeping the welding industry going. Are there a lot of welders in Austin? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, with four people. There's an interesting welder scene in Austin, actually. There are a ton of welders, but there's also a lot of... Um, hip welders with beards, tattoos that also roast coffee. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah I can, it's interesting. I can put I can that together of, in my mind. I can think of about four welders that also roast coffee. What's the What's the through line here? I'm trying huh. to think. Is it just like they enjoy know. heat? Like the craft using heat to change something? I think it might just be like the crafty artisan, craftier side of things. Artisan stuff. Do you Art have physical? to have a beard? Yeah. Could you not? No, no, you definitely don't have to have a beard. I don't have a beard. Oh, that's true. <laughs> that's a great one. This is an audio show, so we should remind our listeners that you do not have a beard. I do not have so, a beard. So if you buy one of these barbecue pits and, or, you you know, there's a wait list, right? Is that is that the case right yeah. now? So right now we're just building up as large of an inventory as possible. Mm-hmm. Uh, my plan is to have at least 100, maybe 120, 130 built up before March of 2018. Um, I think sometime around Christmas we're going to start um, you know, actually taking uh, deposits on cookers. Um, I think right now we've got about 2,600 people on the wait list. Um, the website went live about three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. It's just a little splash page, and mm-hmm. it's got a little sign-up thing. That's a um, lot. That is a lot, and probably half of those people might buy barbecue pits. Who who really knows? Right. Um, but I think uh, hopefully about March of 2018 we'll start selling them, and they'll start shipping out. Awesome. So when you ship them out, well, you know, you just, I don't know, put them in a big box and then away they go? Or will you have to be like, we have to install this or bring well, it in? So I'm planning on doing two models. One of them is full welded. Mm-hmm. You you can come pick it up, throw it in the back of the truck. You know, it's probably going to weigh about 600, 500 pounds, I think. Pretty dang heavy. Wow. Uh, but it'll also last 100 plus years. I mean, these things are really, 
the craftsmanship is is far beyond anything I've seen on any other cooker. It's just the thickness of the like the drum there is what's heavy. Or? Well, we're rolling pipes, we're pressing the heads. It's got an offset firebox. It's got you know a forty eight and some odd inch you know smokestack on it. So they're pretty they're pretty burly. They're big. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of them's full welded. You can pick that up. Comes with six casters on each one, or you can get it with skins, I guess. And um, the other one is a bolt model. So the firebox bolts on, the smokestack bolts on, and that's more designed to fit on a pallet so you could freight that out. Uh, okay. Interesting. So do you see this mostly as sort of hobbyist barbecue people who want to just want to have the most kick-ass, you know, party? Or you think that this is going to be some, you know, for restaurant use as well? Mm, it's probably a little bit small for a restaurant. I mm-hmm. suppose like a regular restaurant could use one of these things. If you want to throw some pork bellies on or if you wanted to do, you know, whatever, whatever small things, you could totally pull that off. But uh, I think it's likely going to be for people that really want to have backyard barbecues. So how do these and guys compare to the ones you use at the restaurant? They're much smaller. Otherwise, are they? <laughs> they're pretty much identical. Yeah. It's almost a identical design, um, except a whole lot smaller. And the ones at the restaurant, we actually made out of propane tanks. So these are all virgin steel, never been used for anything, no petroleum, anything, just brand spanking new. Is the uh, manufacturing of these with the welders, those two or three welders, is it like on the same campus as Franklin Barbecue, or do you guys no, have like another? No, no, We have a shop 45 minutes outside of Austin in Bastrop, Texas. And then we're currently building a new shop in Austin. Been working on that for almost two years. Hopefully it'll be done in the next year. <sighs> I hope so. See, I find this very interesting because like, you know, um, I mean, Helen and I were chatting about this. Uh, like, you have a restaurant where there's a restaurant and a a person associated with that restaurant, and that's you, you know? And when people go there, they go there to taste your food, and you're so closely identified with this restaurant. We're thinking, you know, I mean, I was thinking, like, if you ever wanted to open another restaurant, that would be very difficult. It would be darn near impossible. Um, We would certainly never open up another barbecue restaurant. I might one of these days open up something else that's kind of fun. I mean, one thing about Franklin Barbecue is when it started off, it was just my wife and I running out of a trailer. You know, mm-hmm. I cooked two briskets a day, worked every lunch. Stacy kept her job. Then as we got busier, she quit her job and started working at the trailer. Um, so two briskets a day versus like 106, maybe 110 if they're kind of small. Um, yeah, definitely uh, it's it's changed a lot. So it's definitely not, you know, a two-person show anymore. It takes a lot of people to make that happen. We cook 24 hours a day. So part of that is that I guess I'm not as valuable as I used to be working overnight cooking food because mm-hmm. it's more than one person can cook. So if right. I'm there overnight, then I'm not there during the day when I kind of need to be there. So there's that balance to be had. But the fact that I'm not cooking as much also might allow us to do something else like make barbecue pits. Make barbecue pits. And you can you got your your team is rocking and rolling. You can come out to L.A. for a few days. Yeah, you they're amazing. about it. And okay, so actually, uh, some things broke while I was in town. Oh well, the, so, hand, the handyman's okay. not there. I've got to get off the plane tomorrow and go <laughs> rebuild two things at the restaurant. So if you've reached a point now where you don't have to be the one actually cooking the food, I, then I, who's I, cooking well, the no, food? No, it's not who's God. cooking the food. I think it's so. So barbecue as a concept is a really interesting subset of the food world, right? Like. You're not a short order cook standing at a flat top ordering a bunch, like making a bunch of stuff of a menu. You do 
a handful of things, you do them more or less the same way every single time. And the variation from one barbecue pit at one restaurant to it, like from one, you know, from one barbecue place to another is significant, but it's also subtle. Like you're both smoking a brisket. No, I think it's pretty significant, really. Well, so this Um, is, yeah, I mean, I I guess I'm setting you up for the softball, but like, you know, Aaron, like Franklin Barbecue has been hailed as the best barbecue and it's fucking great. I mean, I've had it. It's truly wonderful. But where do the differences come in? And if you've reached a point where you don't even have to be in the room anymore, like I feel like people invest that difference in the pitmaster, right? Like people will be like, it's Aaron Franklin. He's a magical person. Or it's Rodney Scott. He's a magical person. And like if you don't have to be in the room, where where is the magic? Well, the it, it started off with me cooking stuff and experimenting and getting better at it. And I mean, it's like some guy that's been, you know, making sushi rice for 30 years. I mean, he's probably really good at it. So the more you do it, the better you get at it for sure. Um, I'm kind of a details kind of guy. So that's kind of what attracted me to barbecue in the first place is that it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving. You've never learned it. If you think you've got it, you probably don't because there's always a whole lot more that you can learn. It it could always be a lot better. Um, But with a restaurant, you know, I mean, it takes so many people to operate a restaurant, and it's just not in the cards for one guy to be cooking in the back and make a restaurant still happen. I mean, who's checking emails? Who's answering the telephone? Who's plunging the toilet? Who's on the roof fixing a vent hood if you're cooking? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a little bit of that, but where we've gotten really lucky is that the details were so detailed, if you will, in the beginning, and as we were learning how to make more food and instead of just opening up a restaurant where you cook a million pounds of meat, you know, we started off really small. And as we got busier, we had to learn with those uh, levels of business increase. So we really just kind of got better at it. And as we got better at it, more people started getting better at it. So now we have a whole family of people that are really good at it. I used to write for Eater New York and you know, that a lot of stuff's been happening in New York with barbecue right now, but always it's got a booming scene. Yeah, I loved it. It was like the most... Um, it was a trend that I did not see coming that, that just kind of happened when I was living there. But it was like the the thing you had to learn always with every new barbecue restaurant that would open up in Manhattan or Brooklyn was where the owner trained, you know, yeah, where they worked, usually oh, that, somewhere I, in central Texas. I feel like that's a real New Yorky thing. Okay. They're like, oh, uh-huh. where did they work? You know, if like I'm I think one thing that that set us apart is I didn't really want to work anywhere. I don't want any outside influence. I'm still that way. Like even like barbecue pit design or or making whatever food. Like I don't want any outside influence. I want to figure it out. I don't even – I don't want to look at the instructions. I just want to figure out how to do it. So I think that's kind of how I naturally am. So um, yeah, it seems a little weird when people are like, oh, I trained here. I did this because we don't let people train at our place. Because like if you yeah, want to learn it, I was you need to figure it out. You need to put the time into it to figure it out. I mean, it sounds like you got a really tight team. I would I would say, you know, I would imagine a lot of people would want to work with you just so they could then go well, and do something else. I uh, we don't really hire people like that. We uh, we really only hire people, um, not really based on experience at all. I mean, if some guy comes in that's never cooked barbecue, but maybe you know, built hot rods or like, you know, seems like he'll fit in good or, you know, he's honest and a hard worker, then yeah, totally hard. We'll, we'll teach you how to do anything. It does seem like the, the central Texas barbecue world is prone to a huge amount of drama. Yeah. Not none that involves us, but yeah, it's definitely around us. (laughs) You definitely seem to keep your nose clean. Maybe that's the, (laughs) 
last year pretty clear of that stuff. We just kind of keep our heads down and do our own thing. I don't know, like 10 years from now, you'll be on, like, we'll, we'll be doing our 14,000th episode of the show, and you'll be like, all the splinter groups that are forming, and like, it'll happen. I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to curse you. I don't know why I'm, I'm wishing this no, terrible we're, future onto you. We're pretty good at staying out of things. We, uh, A, don't care, and uh, B, don't really care. Oh, those are both really <laughs> compelling. So, you know, you were just talking about kind of figuring out your own way to do it in the way that you like to do it and maybe not, you know, following somebody else. Like, what was the thing you were trying to achieve? Was it a certain flavor or texture? Like, did no, you have other really. touchstones? Like, um, I-, I wanted to do it the way that I thought it could be done, and I wanted to do it my way. I'm really stubborn, turns out. I'm learning this as I get older, that I'm very stubborn. Um, you know, I didn't want somebody to come up to the trail and be like, oh, this tastes like so-and-so. It's like, no, this tastes like Franklin. This doesn't taste like anybody else. And, um, you know, when we opened, we had pulled pork on the menu, which now it's everywhere. But even then, probably for the first, like, six months, people would walk and be like, what is pulled pork? Like, well, it's pork that's really tender. Because that's not a central Texas Because it's not a central staple, Texas thing. Right? But, you know, and, like, cooking pork ribs. Like, I've never... I don't know how people normally cook pork ribs, but I know how I tried to cook them, and it worked out pretty well. So I think it kind of, you know, got lucky, you know, first off. But, uh, yeah, just really stubborn not to not to seek, like, outside influence. Like, there's kind of, like, inspiration to be had, I think, from places, but I don't want, I don't want the process to be influenced. Interesting. Quick pause. Let's check in with... ZipRecruiter, the sponsor of today's episode of The Eater Upsell. If Aaron Franklin were to open a whole bunch of new Franklin barbecues in every single city in America, not only would all of us rejoice because we would have the best smoked brisket in the entire world, in our hometowns all the time, well, he might want to staff them up. If you are trying to staff up your business, if you have an open headcount to fill or an empty desk that you need someone sitting at, try using ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter is one website where you post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Their powerful technology efficiently matches exactly the right person to your job. They do it way better than anybody else. They find your candidates for you. No emails, no phone calls, just finding the perfect person to do the job you need them to do. You can find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate, like lightning fast results by going to ZipRecruiter.com. And if you go to ZipRecruiter.com slash EAT, E-A-T, the first three letters of Eater Upsell, you can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free, for absolutely free. One more time, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash EAT to post your job listings for absolutely free. So Central Texas Barbecue is largely brisket base. It's beef, classically speaking. Obviously, Franklin, you have pulled pork. But like, classically speaking, it's beef-driven barbecue. And it, as I've only sort of recently been made aware, this notion of brisket as actual barbecue has recently been spreading throughout the U.S. There was an article in The New Yorker not too long ago about a barbecue place in South Carolina. The article was not about the fact that this barbecue place in South Carolina now serves Texas-style smoked brisket, but they mentioned that in passing. And my mind blew. Like, I was like, why are they serving Texas-style smoked brisket at a 75-year-old barbecue joint in South Carolina? It's taking over the world. Do you, do you, have you noticed this? Uh, I don't pay a lot of attention, but it, sometimes it's kind of hard to avoid. Um, yeah, I think Central Texas style barbecue is 
definitely taken over. I I blame the dat gum interwebs. Yeah. Aha. Aha. Um, it's our. I fault. mean, you can go to a you can go to a barbecue joint in Sweden and get great brisket. You can go to Paris and get great brisket. You can go to almost anywhere and get some pretty gosh darn good brisket. I think um, that's pretty cool. First off, but I also think it you know it has a lot to do with the internet, you know, and hopefully. There's not some barbecue joint that's been doing something for 75 years that's just trying to make a buck and trying to, like, you know, stick to to barbecue trends, ah, which sounds really dumb to say it like that. But hopefully they're cooking brisket because they really just want to cook brisket. I don't think there should be much of a reason outside of just like, oh, this is neat and seems challenging. I want to learn how to do that. I may be misremembering the article, but I think that the owner said something like people come in. And they order brisket without even looking at the menu because it's just hmm. maybe it probably is the Internet's fault. The Internet ruins everything. But like it. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, you know, but you look at people. I mean, that's kind of how Frank the Barbecue got busy. I mean, we never advertised anything, but it was food bloggers. Uh, Daniel Vaughn was the first guy to write a review of Frank the Barbecue, the trailer. And that was kind of like the whole like the first time people started showing up. So I think that on like an international scale, I mean, he's the most powerful are, uh an influential barbecue guy out there, barbecue writer, I'd yeah, argue. Yeah, I think he probably is. Um, but, you know, like what Eater does. I mean, I look at Eater all the time, but, I mean, that information knows no boundaries. So I think that's probably why barbecue is kind of spread that far. That phenomenon you're talking about, though, Helen, um, I had a moment similar to this, and I'd be curious to hear your thoughts on this. Aaron, have you been to Arby's lately? <laughs> Arby's, the fast food restaurant? Yeah. No, oh no, I haven't been to Arby's. I'm I sorry. I was on but a road. They, uh... They had a lot to do with increased brisket prices a couple years ago. Really? That's for sure. Yep. Yeah, I was just going to say, I was on a road trip and uh, recently and stopped in at Arby's because it was the only thing at the rest stop. Mm-hmm. And, sure. Um, no, I hadn't been I hadn't, <laughs> I'd, I'd never been, been to Arby's since I was like a, 10 years old or something. Did and you get a beef and cheddar? I did, actually. Ah, man, love it, those things. It was They're good. so, so good. The horsey, the horsey sauce. sauce. Yeah. Horsey sauce is spectacular. But like, that's what I remember Arby's was, was beef and cheddar, you know, kind of this like mm. almost retro chain but then you go in and it's like this weird like they're trying to be like some like barbecue place now or something yeah that's a little weird but i mean that's that whole corporate like mega food chain kind of thing going on it's like oh Mm -hmm. i mean and they're probably making a bazillion dollars off of brisket yeah because god knows they're buying a lot of there was like six things in the menu that were brisket based you know yeah so they bought so they bought enough brisket that they they drove up commodity brisket prices yeah, they they definitely triggered a uh, a cattle shortage uh, a couple years ago. Incredible. I forget what the numbers are, but it was insane how many like thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds worth of brisket they bought. But you know, like for us, we don't use commodity brisket at all. But once the commodity supply runs out, then people start trying to upgrade, and then that's where we got into trouble. Our prices got close to six dollars a pound. As a result of that, which they should you they're usually about four bucks a pound for us. Wow, that's well, that's a huge jump, though. You know? Yeah, when you're talking about some with an eighty something percent food cost already, that's a lot. Wow, hmm. Arby's man. I, I guess I, I guess Arby's. There's a lot of them. There aren't any in New York where I live, so I forget. But it's freaking great. It is really quite well, good. I mean, it's terrible, I, but it's. I like don't really know if good. "great's" quite the right word for it. It's savory. It's plastic. a guilty pleasure. Yeah. Perhaps. Kind of like crispy tacos at Taco Bell. (laughs) (laughs) Also great. Guilty pleasure. Um, So, okay, like purely a service-y question here. What is the best time to come to Franklin? If if you have a week in Austin and you can build your like week around going to Franklin. I would 
you know, if you're looking to kind of chill out, relax, and not do a whole lot for a little bit, I would show up about 7 a.m. on a Saturday. I would say Saturday. I know. 7 a.m. on a Saturday? I know. Um, we only do beef rims on Saturdays. So mm. that's why Saturday. Get there at 7 so you get um, – we have plenty of lawn chairs at that time. You're under the shade structure. Coffee trailer opens at 8 o'clock, so you can get coffee an hour later. Um, yeah, and Saturdays are kind of fun. That's game day. So, But you open at 10? We open at 10.59. Okay, first, guy so... gets to the, uh, first guy gets to the counter at 11 o'clock if he doesn't stop for T-shirts. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay, so. Yep, yep, yep. Okay, so but 7 a.m. you get everything fresh, hot and fresh, right. and then you're out of there by like 11.30. Or maybe maybe noonish after you. So that's the best experience. That maybe the best experience if you want a unique Franklin experience. Get the beef ribs. The whole holistic, yeah. like yeah. Otherwise, immersion. if you're kind of pinched for time, maybe try popping in on like a Wednesday or Thursday around two o'clock p.m. Give or take thirty minutes. I've heard that there's a, a trick, a secret trick, which is that if you pre-order a whole brisket, you can just walk in and pick it up. Well, that's not quite right, but it's close. And I wouldn't say it's a secret. <laughs> Thanks a lot. <laughs> Not anymore, motherfucker. I read no. about this on the internet somewhere. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, about a year ago, we opened up a uh, to-go trailer behind the restaurant. So you can pre-order five-pound minimum orders, and you can do that. So that really helped shorten the line quite a bit. Um, kind of the plan for that trailer was that, like, okay, we got a, you know, a bachelor party that's hanging out. We got... You know, a birthday party that's going to hang out, like taking up a bunch of the line. It's like, okay, well, you guys go get an order and you can go to the park and eat it. Um, so that's kind of that five pound minimum order thing. And it works out pretty good. You can look on our website. And uh, every every day, the date that's six weeks ahead opens up for pre orders. Ah, that's, like a, that's a booking good Booking a reservation at a, a crazy three star Michelin place or something. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of like no. booking a hotel. If you get on yeah. the website, you kind of type in what order you want, and then the dates pop up on the calendar for what date and times are available. So definite hard no to ever opening another barbecue place. There aren't enough cows. There aren't enough cows. There's, I mean, there's... There's a lot of cows. There's a lot of cows out there. I hate to break it to you, but there are Not a lot of cows. Not many that we would cook. Ah. Yeah. The, one, the stuff that we cook, there definitely aren't enough cows. Right now, even I, I even struggle now to get enough. Have you ever thought about raising your own cattle? Whew, thought about it for a, about twelve seconds, and it it would it would be really really hard. I mean, the sad thing is we go through about fifty three cows a day, and um, we're only taking two pieces of meat, two briskets from each cow. Unless it's Saturday, we have short ribs. That's actually really refreshing. We talk, you know, to chefs and restaurateurs a lot on this show on which we talk to chefs mm. and restaurateurs. And I think often there is this sense that, well, we have to keep expanding. There's this shark like idea, right? Like we have to keep well, going or we will die. And I yeah, really like and, this idea of like, no, this is we, we're doing it right. Well, I mean, we're only going to have one Franklin barbecue, but, you know, like the barbecue pits, that's a way for us to expand that's not another restaurant. Because, I mean, mm -hmm. we really, every brisket sees about 44 hours of labor before it gets to lunch. That doesn't even include service time. Um, you know, we cook 24, 23 hours a day. It's just, ah, it, it's not going to happen for, for a barbecue joint. But, you know, maybe one day we'll open up a little sandwich place. Maybe one day we'll open up, you know, something else. But, I mean, really, I, I think just opening up restaurants just to open up restaurants, that just sounds horrible. 
Would you ever go out of Austin? Mm, not with barbecue. Austin is a magical city. It is a magical city. And I don't think Franklin Barbecue would really work anywhere else. I think it's our community that kind of makes that place. Keeps it, uh, yeah, keeps it. It's our little local Ma and Paul barbecue joint. What's the balance um, in the line on a daily basis between locals and tourists? Um, I bet you in the summertime, it's a little more tourists. I bet it's probably 60% out-of-towners, 40% locals. In the wintertime, when school's in, it's a little bit slower, but um, I bet it's probably 70% locals. I'm surprised I guess, to hear that there are more tourists in the summer because Austin in the summer is the unbearable face of hell. Yeah, but mm-hmm. you've got South by Southwest and March, and then once that hits, it's pretty much game on till Christmas time. Uh-huh. And then there's conventions that are in town. There's people coming in for work. There's, you know, vacations. There's all kinds of stuff going on. So there's there's definitely plenty of people to go around. Can you tell, Fine. like, can you tell who in line comes from where? Have you developed, like, an ability yeah, to read gonna- it? They're pretty good at it, actually. Yeah. (laughs) I can almost tell what people are going to order. I can almost tell, hear somebody order, and I can almost figure out exactly where they're from by how they order. No way. What are some tells? Or like if you can, if you see somebody at a table and they're reaching for the sweet sauce and just drenching everything in sweet sauce, they ain't from these here parts. (laughs) Um, Well, I feel like that's the first thing you learn about any sort of Texas-style barbecue is don't 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 cover it. Put all that sauce on it. Yeah, don't drench it in sauce. Unless it's terrible. In that case, you might need it. Um, but yeah, I mean, or even if people come up and you're like, oh, I just, you know, I mean, but granted, people have like three hours in line to talk to the people that are around them. And then we're going up and down the line, seeing what they're going to order, trying to coach people. You're like, well, you know, well, the, you should get this. Eh, that's too much. Oh, you should get more of this. And um, but sometimes if somebody comes up and like, oh, well, you know, give me two slabs of ribs. And then that's it. Like, well, we're going to need to fix that a little bit. Here, take this, get this, a slab of, you know, you don't really order slabs of ribs in Texas. Right. But, um, so, yeah. Well, everybody's idea about what barbecue is seems to be different regional, not just regionally, but like, you know, everybody grows up with a different idea of what that means. Because it's nostalgic food. Everybody thinks about what, what their parents or, you know, what their grandpa used to cook and stuff like that. That's kind of what got me into barbecue. Mm-hmm. Although what I grew up eating was way different than what we do at the restaurant. What was what did you grow up eating? Whew. So I grew up eating brisket, of course, that had like unrendered fat, not tender, probably not much flavor, not moist. You're really selling like, that, yeah. Yeah, you had a lot. <laughs> yeah, it was it was great. You had yeah. a lot to correct. <laughs> it was great. Um, That's a lot of raw yeah, material to kinda, work with, you know. You could <laughs> both literally a lot and of room for improvement. <laughs> It's a uh, lot of room. But, um, yeah, so that's kind of what I grew up eating. And, you know, like a hickory-flavored sweet sauce that on it. I grew up kind of closer to East Texas. Um, yeah, but that's certainly not what I wanted to make. So a few years ago, you released uh, The Cookbook, which is a very, oh, yeah. a very well-received, very well-regarded. Um, it's got great pictures. Really great does. pictures. It's a very book. cool book. I'm kind of curious, like, how did it feel to kind of get some of your secrets and stuff out there? I mean, well, there's not much secret. I think the only secret is just labor. That's kind of what it comes down to. I mean, there at the probably two weeks before we had to turn in the book, I finally decided to put recipes in it. Mm-hmm. Like it wasn't going to have any recipes at all. And I think it ended up with an 11 page brisket recipe. Yeah. Probably could have been a 30 page recipe. Um, but we shortened it to 11. Well, you can always have a sequel, you know. 
Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, but really, I mean, it's just labor. It's just trial and error. It's just the more you do it, the better you get at it. And you have to like really pay attention to the details. I mean, was it fatty? Was it tough? Was it dry? Was it too salty? Was it too fatty? Was it too lean? Was it, you know, was the bark crunchy? Was it soft? You know, so then you just kind of troubleshoot. And before you know it, you might be getting pretty good at it. Do people ever ask you questions about how they can, you know, correct their own home brisket? All the time. And I love doing it. I'm uh, really good at troubleshooting. Oh. I can look at a slice of brisket and I can, I might even be able to tell you where that brisket came from. Wow. So you're, you're just like remotely diagnosing people's brisket problems. This seems mm-hmm. like a service you can monetize also. Yeah, I mean, this is a great. You know, this is a new game show. While you're waiting for your, the your PBS show, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, Aaron Franklin, Aaron Flank, the brisket whisperer. <laughs> I like it. You say, hey, that needs, you know, use this kind of flow. oak, harder wood. Yeah. yeah, no, really. I mean, that's what I do at the restaurant. Since I don't really cook, I just troubleshoot all the foods every day. Yeah. So, you know, I'm like, oh, so and so's knife was dull. Mm-hmm. Go talk to him. And be like, yep, yeah, sure enough. No, you should just you know, like you can make an app and like. Have people pay like fifty bucks a pop to ask you a real time question, and you'll be like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> or they, you're at your yeah. The app is just like secretly just texting, texting with Aaron or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Thank you for calling Time Life. Um, it's like the Butterball think, Turkey uh, Hotline, but you. I used to answer the telephone at the restaurant until it got to be too much, and then we disconnected that phone line. And well, actually, we'd never disconnect it. We just unplugged the phone for several years. But uh, yeah, I remember like people, the phone would ring at like 3.30 in the morning. I'd answer it and some guy's like, hey, I just threw a prime rib on. How do I do it? Like, and, you know, but yeah, I love doing that stuff. So it's you, super thought it, you thought it was fun. You didn't, you know, you didn't think it was annoying, huh? <laughs> no, I don't think it's annoying. Some people kind of overstep the boundaries a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when it gets to like 10 emails back and forth, mm-hmm. it's like, okay, like that's, figure, figure it out right. a little bit. I, I can only tell you so much through email. But, um, yeah, I mean, you know, people email pictures of, like, you know, brisket slices, and they're like, hey, it turned out like this. And be like, okay, so you cooked at this temperature, about like this. I bet you're using a reverse flow. And probably get pretty close to nailing it. So what's, wow. the, what's the most common solution that you will offer? Like, nine times um, out of ten, you'll be like, no, you just got to use a lower heat or something. No, actually, it's a higher heat. Oh, really? Um, I bet you the one thing... The one actual problem that most people have is they think like, oh, low and slow. But if you cook too low, then you run out of fat before the collagen breaks down. So then you just have a dry, tough piece of meat. Um, so, yeah, cook hotter. So like medium and slow instead yeah, of low me- and slow. Moderate and slow. Medium and faster. Medium and faster. <laughs> so that's a good motto for your, you know, if you. I'm going to make bumper stickers. It's going to be great. That's good. I would put that on my laptop. Medium and faster. Medium and faster. It's so oblique, too. Like, if you just see that completely out of context, nobody will get it, which is part of what makes it magical. And they might not get it anyyway. No. It's really good. That's perfect. I'd wear t-shirt. It should be a t-shirt. That's what it really yeah, should be. Yeah, there you go. It's That's a t-shirt. new merch line right there. I'm going to make little red hats that have that on printed on the front white. Medium and Medium faster. Medium and faster. Mm-hmm. <laughs> As we were kind of alluding to earlier, every few months there seems to be some element of barbecue intrigue, you know, coming out of... You know, oh, do tell. Oh, just I'm like, intrigued. Uh, like I, I can't think of anything in particular, but people seem to like, you know, anytime there's a new list, a new ranking, you know, any new proclamation of, oh, here's this barbecue <clears> place <throat> you haven't even heard of that is doing this, or, you know, somebody leaves a restaurant or somebody spins off and starts their own. Brothers start seem- fighting, fathers hate their sons. Someone gets stabbed. 
Yeah. Whatever. It's it could all be anything. Wednesday it could in be world anything. barbecue. I guess I'm just curious, like, you know, yeah, there always seems to be like high stakes and a lot of drama, but So it's pretty much like reality television. That's sometimes what it uh. seems like. But do you feel like, you know, is there is it is Texas very competitive or is it, you know, um, does, does the press kind of stoke those flames a little bit? I think a little bit of both. I think mm-hmm. people are really competitive anyway. Um and I think writers definitely stoke that, uh, for sure. But I don't know. I mean, I really don't pay any attention to that stuff. I am so not competitive. Like, the thought of trying to win at something really makes me super anxious. I want no part of it. I just want to do what I do. I just want to do it the best I can, and I'm perfectly happy with Too that. Too much to deal with. Yeah, we, we've got enough to do. I don't care about who's better than anyone else. That sounds like a very healthy, healthy attitude about that stuff. Um, do you read, like, Yelp and stuff like that? No way. No. That'll, boy, that'll ruin a day pretty quick. I bet you guys probably have a crazy great Yelp score, though. Uh, it's pretty high. I think mm-hmm. it might be one of the highest in the country, actually. Whoa. Um, that's what they tell us, but I don't know. But you don't I know, because you don't check it um, out. I read, when we opened up the trailer, I was kind of keeping up with them. And, you know, Yelp is pretty useful. I mean, you can really, you know, if you were running a restaurant, like, well, you know, and you keep seeing bad reviews over and over, I mean, those reviews are I think 80% pretty accurate. I mean, there's like a bunch of BS you got to filter through for Mm -hmm. sure. But um, that is really, well, I've got two things to say. Um, You know, first off, you always hear about people that uh, are, you know, randomly bumping people like, oh, well, you know, we're having a problem with this restaurant and, you know, customers aren't coming in and I don't know what to do. Like, well, look at your Yelp reviews. That, there you go. It's right there. Whatever the problem is, it's probably in there. You know, Mm -hmm. if you see like, you know, reoccurring theme happening there. But on the other side of the argument is um, I would never read a Yelp review. We do at the restaurant. It's just not me. It's way too personal. <laughs> um, I read when we – story I was going to tell, when we opened up the trailer, at the very early days I was kind of reading some Yelp reviews and, um, man, somebody wrote something that was just so hurtful and so mean. It put me in a funk for probably a week. Like I was just mopey and like it really hurt my feelings. I was like, man, you have no idea how hard I'm working on this, and I'm trying. Yeah, I think I'm that, sorry. I think that's healthy. I mean, it's yeah, it sucks. You know, yeah. it sucks to read something pointed about you know some you or your work. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, especially with with barbecue or, or something like that. It's not just like there's a huge company that opened up a restaurant to make money. I mean, it's like somebody's pouring their heart and soul into this thing, and then you just kind of poop all over them. That's not cool. Um, but you know, yeah. Whatever. I don't read them. <laughs> you make your you make the welders read it. No, uh, Benji at the restaurant, he he looks through it and, you know, and I, I think we're at a pretty, I think we've got like 3,500 reviews. Holy crap. And uh, four and a half stars, which I, I don't think anyone could really have five stars. I mean, four and a half. Yeah, that's about, that's about as, as good as you could hope yeah. for there. I mean, I, I think the common uh, bad review on Yelp is, oh, I waited in line and they didn't have any food. It's ah. like, well... First off, we're not going to let you wait in line if we don't have food. That's part of what we do. So if you didn't leave after we told you to leave, I'm really sorry. But Right. I mean, it sounds like you guys are more focused on making sure that every th- everything runs smoothly. Yeah, that they're waiting in line is going to have a point, you mm-hmm. know, and a purpose. Hopefully a brisket point. Yeah, uh, yes. Hey, oh, <laughs> oh that's good. <laughs> You, that's good. Can I put that in the book of barbecue jokes? Oh, that's a pretty <laughs> smash hit. Dad jokes. Slam dunk. No, that's very good. I don't know. Well, 
I think it's I think it's lightning round time. All right, yeah. Aaron. So, I hope I've got something for you. We've no, wrapped no, up the we, lightning yeah. round. We got something for you. Let me you. clear my throat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're just going to ask you some questions, but actually, we're not going to ask you some some lightning round questions. We have a special guest question asker, uh, Megan McCarran, former Eater Austin mm-hmm. editor. I know her well. You know her well. She's I feel like sweetheart. she she kind of chronicled your a lot of the the Franklin story there. I'd yeah. say. Yeah, for sure. I. Uh, I wish she was here. Oh. Well, her voice is here, Megan. Welcome to the Eater Upsell. <laughs> hey, Aaron. This is Megan McCarran, and I have some lightning round questions for you. What's the best concert you ever went to? Hmm. I'm going to say the best and most exciting show I ever went to. I've never been to, like, a real concert concert, but I've been to countless, like, small club, like, rock shows and stuff. Um, I'm going to... Oh, boy. I've seen some really awesome ones. I think, okay, so I've got two. The first one was Dinosaur Jr. in the early 90s in a club that held probably about 200 people. And that was the first show I ever went to. And, man, it totally blew me away. I totally still remember it to this day. And it's been a while. What a cool formative show to go to. Yeah. I. Uh, it was It was pretty great. And um, another great show was in Austin, probably 97, 98, somewhere around in there. Um, it was Archers of Loaf and at the drive-in at Electric Lounge. Wow. Those are... And that was an amazing show. Uh, rewind for a second. You've never been to like a big stadium show? No, no. Never never been to a, like a big... you never gone to see like REO Speedwagon or something? <laughs> <laughs> like that, that's where you went, No. Right? That's so no, Austin indie of you. You're so on brand. Ah, uh, you know, the shows are really expensive. That's true. And you're never are. close to the band. No. You can never really, like, see what the drummer's doing. You got to watch some, like, giant TV yeah, screen. Yeah, the beer line's always impossible. I don't want to. I want to go to a small place. All right. Something intimate. Down with Stadium Rock. Megan, we have another question. What meal besides barbecue would you be willing to wait in a four-hour line for? Hmm. Oh, boy. That's a real doozy. I don't know. I think, hmm. I can't think of much. I'm trying to think of something that, like, would have a line. I mean, if if there was a, a genre of food that I would be super giddy about, or, or I guess say, like, a meal, a couple meals, and I don't know that anybody would really wait for a meal like this, but, you know, something sushi, something like Uchi, Uchiko in Austin is just, one of my all-time favorite meals ever. And, uh, you know, Fig in Charleston is one of my all-time favorite meals ever. So something along those lines. But I can't really think of anything specific. Do you have, like, are you a patient line waiter or are you someone who's like, Oh, sure. If I don't have to be at work. All right, Megan, what's your next question? What was your most nervous-making TV appearance? Um, Probably... <laughs> oh, I remember. Um, it was on a show called Unique Eats. Uh, it was one of the first things we ever did. But um, I was one of those guys that goes off and eats food, and then goes and like goes to a studio to re- to report and all this stuff. And um, half the dishes I was supposed to eat weren't available. I didn't really have anything to say, and that was agonizing. It was so horrible. Um, I think they got a couple good lines out of me, but so you didn't really was, just get to hard. be yourself. Then you had to kind of had to do a thing. No, I was still being myself, but they're like, "Hey, well, did you get to eat this dish?" I'm like, "Ah, they didn't have it. Ah, they didn't make it. Mm. Oh, I called ahead, and they didn't have this, so I can't really report on that." It's like, "Ah, I'm sorry, um, I failed." 
Are you um, going to be filming any more PBS stuff? Hopefully so. I think uh, I got to get through some projects first, but mm-hmm. hopefully next summer we might kind of pick it up again. That was such a fun show. I mean, it's, I, it's, I would like to. It was a lot of fun. There's a, there's a wide world of food TV out there. Just a bunch of goofballs making making food. <laughs> okay, Megan, what's your next question? Besides Barack Obama, name three people who have skipped the line at Franklin Barbecue. Well, to date, he's really the only one that has officially skipped the line. Uh, sometimes we can kick out to-go orders since we have that trailer in the back. It's kind of easy if somebody no-shows or whatever. Um, Hmm. Who have I gotten orders for? Uh, Mike Watt. Mike Watt. Mike Watt from from Pedro, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, I have no idea what these words are that you're saying. <laughs> he was in a band called The Minutemen a long time ago. Okay. Um, early SSD record <laughs> stuff. Um, anyway, but people like that. No one, no one really famous at all. Um, man, I'm trying to think. I don't really. Yeah, we don't go out of our way to really let anyone famous get food. But there are a lot of famous people. I always see them going to Franklin. I mean, really? Yeah, I feel like that. Or maybe I'm just thinking huh. about you guys were in that movie Chef, right? Yep, yep, totally. Maybe that's what I'm thinking about and a very momentous moment <laughs> and fun moment of that movie, which Eater also had a very brief cameo in. Oh, really? Did we really? That's so cool. Oh, yeah, you didn't. You, have you ever? Have you, it's. Um, yeah, he reads something bad about his restaurant on Eater, and it's, like, hilarious because I remember that um, we had to make, like, these mock-ups of, like, the headline they wanted for the uh, movie, and we were like, we would never write this headline. Would never say that about anyone. Yeah, because the headline was, Carl Casper shits the bed or something, and we were just like, well. That's what we no just say would... on Slack to each other. Yeah, we would private. maybe say that, but... <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wouldn't put it on the uh, on the interwebs, though. Still a fun movie. It is a fun movie. All right, cool. So, Man, I don't have very good answers for you. I'm so sorry. No, you know, it's not us you're letting down. It's Megan. So, And I feel <laughs> terrible about it. All right, Megan, you have another question? What meat, if you could pick any meat, would you like to try smoking? Any animal. Probably, probably elk. Not like smoking, smoking, but more like cooking on fire. I'm gonna, I'm gonna call grilling on that one. That seems like a, a, a an answer. Like you could actually accomplish that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's nothing weird. I, um, I would have expected you to go for like I don't know, dinosaur or something. Probably going to be pretty tough. Like, mm-hmm. Or or it could be marbling. like chicken. I mean, they are they apparently you know evolved into birds. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, at the end of Jurassic Park, they make that connection, right? <laughs> That's right. And then they have a chicken salad sandwich. Amazing. Mm. Oh. Um, yeah, I would. I, I much prefer just to cook things over fire, like grilling, like a fast kind of thing. Um, I think smoke is such an overpowering flavor that to use it delicately is pretty tricky. So mm-hmm. that would kind of take me out of like a fantasy meat to smoke. I don't really, I think beef, you know, brisket and beef ribs and stuff like that are so hearty, hearty by nature, if you will. <laughs> um, <laughs> you should also put that on a t-shirt. Yeah. That's a bumper sticker. Yes. yes. It's so good. Um, they they kind of take a lot of the smoke and a lot of the the long cook time. You know they can they have like the robust flavors to kind of back that up. But um, for me, it would probably be like a hot and fast grilling kind of thing, and it would be something like, you know, some type of steaky thing. Cool. Cool. Yeah, Megan, another question for Mr. Franklin. You let Barack Obama skip the line. Would you let Donald Trump skip the line? 
Well, Barack Obama didn't ask. He just kind of did it, and people were really excited about it. Um, And if Trump tried the same, I don't know that he would get quite the same reaction. I don't know that people would really be excited to let that guy skip the line. So the line kind of manages itself. I think there's a fairly slim chance of that happening based on his sort of dining habits, which we track fairly obsessively. I don't think he's ever going to eat at our place. I think— yeah, no, he's probably probably not you into know, the barbecue. I actually maybe if he I puts was, some meatloaf I think actually, on the menu. You know, given yeah. that we yeah. closely track his his eating habits, <clears throat> he primarily seems to eat beef. Like that's literally all he wants to eat. But he mostly that's eats true. fast well, food too, right? Yeah, he but does he like just fast. Kind of wants beef all the time. I feel like he probably is unaware of barbecue as a phenomenon, but he would probably like it. I think that's a safe assumption. Well, yeah. Anyway, but the line manages itself. The line is a is an entity with its own cognitive thrust. I, th- I think no matter who you are, if you ruffle a bunch of feathers in the yeah. line, you're out. The line has a personality you of its own, it sounds line. like. Yeah, I mean, if if you have to respect the line, you have to respect people's time for standing in it. And um, there's really officially no skipping the line. Nobody would ever just walk up to the front and order food. It's like, nope, not going to happen. Um, the Obama thing was definitely a special occurrence. And... Um, I wasn't actually there. I'd, I'd left to go run some errands. I got back in time, though. <laughs> At various times for Eater, I've had to go um, report on, like, places where either President Obama or Michelle Obama, First Lady Michelle Obama, have been, like, restaurants coming out of, and they do feel like like everyone's excited or something. Like, oh, yeah. That's the vibe I always got, you know? Definitely was at our place. I mean, people were so excited and just, like, hugs and high fives and selfies and, you know, those those guys were so super, super nice. All right. Very cool. That well, rosy on that memory. Note. Aaron Franklin, thank you so much for yeah. joining us on the Eater Upsell. Hey, thanks for having me. Um, and a reminder to our listeners that if they want to find out more about Aaron Franklin, you can find out all sorts of information at eater.com slash upsell, or you can get the complete archives of our show at iTunes.com slash eater. Don't get those confused. They're kind of confusing. Um, And if you haven't already subscribed to the Eater Upsell, you should subscribe. If you have subscribed, you should give us a five-star rating on whatever listening platform you're using because we love you and we try very hard to be awesome. And as Aaron said, you know, Yelp and the iTunes rating store and all those things kind of help keep the lights on. And also it hurts our feelings when you say mean things about us. So say nice things. Um, (laughs) You can eat Aaron Franklin's barbecue at one place and one place only in Austin, Texas. And pick up your book wherever books are sold. And get on the 3,000-person wait list for your smokers at... No, it's not that many. 2,600-person wait list for your smokers. <laughs> Something like that. At, you want to hit us with that website one more time? Uh, I believe it's franklinbbqpits.com. Awesome. Aaron Franklin, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. Awesome. The Eater Upsell is recorded at Vox Media Studios in Manhattan and Los Angeles. Your hosts are me, Helen Rosner, and Greg Morabito, that other guy whose voice you hear on every episode. Our executive producer is Maureen Giannone. Our associate producer and editor is Daniel Janine. Our editorial producer is Monica Burton. Our studio team is Miles Ewell, Alex Ulreich, Paige Bethman, and Stephanie Broderick. And our editor-in-chief and fearless leader is Amanda Clute. But of course, of all of these people, the one who makes all of this possible, without whom none of this could exist, without whom we would just wither and die, is you, dear listener. You. Thank you for listening to what we do here, and thank you for being your beautiful self.